Morning, morning, morning. Yes, we're back with another episode, another rider. Today we've got a guy from Down Under and he's got a brand that will be useful to a lot of people. Not me, sadly, because I do not drink. But for those of you who drink and deal with a hangover, he's the man to talk to. Before <laughs> that, don't forget to like, subscribe and follow, depending on what platform you're listening or watching us on now. So nice to have you here today, Paul. Thank you. Okay, so Paul, how did you come up with the idea and why? That's awesome. Well, the hangover product's only just one one thing that I do. So I'm over here launching a business called Admodo at the moment. Okay. So that's a really interesting story. I mean, most of my businesses are interesting. The bentonite clay detoxification hangover cure that I was just telling you about is an interesting product on its own. But what we're doing, what I've been doing here in London for the last couple of months, or actually I've been, I've registered the business here in just uh, just just before the pandemic, so a couple of years ago, and and what we do is we put we put TV screens on the back of electric delivery vehicles. Okay. And then we sell the advertising space. But what's really interesting about that is that we are able to give those vehicles away for free to the riders. So everybody talks about well we're going to look after the riders, you know, all this sort of stuff and. You know, they all talk about it, but no one's doing anything really effective about it. So our business allows us to give those vehicles away for free, which would normally cost the riders about a hundred pounds a week to rent. So they get a free vehicle, it's brand new, it's electric, so it's great for the environment. Wait a minute, let me take this slow, just make sure I'm keeping up. Yep. I understand when you said the vehicle, delivery drivers, what kind of delivery drivers? All types of delivery drivers. So the guys that are in central London that are running around on, on motorbikes delivering uh, you know, uh, Uber, Uber Eats, Eats and, and, and yeah. Deliveroo. And so where they got the boxes on the back? Correct. So you, you mount a monitor on there? Yes. So what, we're, what I've done is I've been involved in the space for about 20 years now. I invented my first illuminated pizza box back in 2000, uh -huh. um, just before the Sydney Olympics, and uh, and that that was just a it was a great idea at the time. We manufactured a bike out of China, we sold it all over the world, and I sort of drifted in and out of the business, but I've been full on into it for probably the last two years. We've got we've raised over a million pounds, put it into the business. We just raised another million last week and uh, we're in heavy discussions with Deliveroo and Get Here on trial. And I think it's a billion dollar business, I really do. I think it's gonna change the world. I think it's gonna help a lot of people do a lot of things that they can't do right now. And it looks like just a box on the back of a scooter with some screens on it, but it's a lot more than that. Yeah, what I was thinking about is, see like the seven and a half tonners and all of those kind of things, mm -hmm. where you have them on the side, because the side is a big panel. So you just have it, if it's illuminated, I don't know how your visual effects of it comes up, but if you had that on along the side, then as people pass, they always, it's like a Roman billboard. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so that, what we've done is just done that effectively on the back of a scooter. So, mm -hmm. um, and we can geolocate it. So it's like almost, mm -hmm. we call it the Google AdWords for the streets. Mm -hmm. So if we say, let's say for example, this street, we could, we could zone this as one, we could geofence it as one area. And if you wanted just your ads to play on this road, we could just, we, we, the ads turn off and turn on depending on where they are, mm. what time of the day, 
all types of different things that we can set the parameters for. So it's really pointed advertising for people that want to spend, you know, money outdoor. We can really pinpoint it better than anybody else. So So if I'm a Chinese restaurant and I work within a certain radius, anything from my location a mile within, it will ping up my adverts. Correct. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. It's a bit like Bill Gates' house. He's got all his screens throughout his house, so when he walks into a room, it shows the sceneries that he likes and walks down the corridor or uses golf golf cart to go down the corridor. But as his wife goes in the room, she sees what she wants. Very cool. Very, very, (laughs) very similar. Like, yeah, so it's... uh, (laughs) I really like that idea. I think they should have more of that. The only problem is, is if the wife's in the same room, who who gets to see what they want? Yeah, who gets to see them? Yeah, it's probably the wife, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so you came up with this idea. It's been an interesting journey. What's been the most? What's the thing that you've learned that you wish you knew when you started? Good question. I think sometimes you can misread people, and I think if I had my time again, I put one of my really close friends in in the role of CEO um, when I first started, and and. It, it really affected me because he didn't do a good job. I paid him a lot of money, paid him £150,000 a year to come here from Australia to come and run the business in a little startup. And he basically sat on his bum and did nothing. And it really, really hurt because I thought I could trust him and I just didn't, I didn't read the situation well enough. I think that was really partly my fault. He went through a really bad divorce and I probably didn't read it as good as I should have as a mate and as a business partner. I thought he still had some fire in him, but I just don't think that was, I think the divorce completely drained it out of him. And um, I wish I hadn't done that because we've had a falling out and so now we don't really talk. So I think if, yeah, if I was to have my time again, it would be to, to, what I should have learned out of that was, you know, I should have read him a bit better as as a mate and as a business partner, you know, so. Have you told him that? Kind of. Send him the episode when I publish it. Oh, I love you, Paul. I love you too. I don't know what I'm that woman got between us. It was, oh, I know, I know. <laughs> One of those things, now. No, but it's good because I remember when I was in business and you hire friends or family and you think, oh, you're good at this, but it's about you've got to really just deal with them like they're a stranger and look at their life, their qualities, what they can do, what they can't do. And if sometimes someone can do something, I've found, and then later on, you can see you're not going to, you need to go away you need to take a break just like a boss of a company says mm. you need to go home sort yourself out come back in a couple of weeks time take it off sick family leave or holiday whatever you need to do but you're no good right now you need mm. to clear your head and we've all probably been there yeah we've yeah absolutely been there yeah in that respect and stuff mm-hmm. so dealing since you you said you've realized that how has that developed you in your people skills now? I always feel that I'm fair, so I don't think I've really changed anything. It's just I'm probably more considerate and try to be because I'm not I'm not really I never really saw myself as a leader. Like I'm not really a leader, leader, but like a, a manager, should I say? I, I think I'm a leader, but I'm not a great. I never really saw myself as a great manager of people because I've always worked in small teams and everybody kind of just gets on and does what they need to do. But I think as the business grows, I'm more conscious that I have to be a better manager 
and a better a better people person where I sort of take rather than kick somebody's ass I'll try and be empathetic and try and understand where they're coming from and try and help them rather than you know mm. give them a hard time because I just don't think that gets you anywhere yeah yeah when you've got yeah we but it is a hard one I think once you've got a personal stake in it you're like mm. fuck off man <laughs> sorry my house is on the line here did you put anything yeah yeah I know, I know what you're saying you need to I mean, sometimes I found from my own experience is that you have to distance yourself. And when I say distance, you get somebody who is good at that mm. and allow them to do their job. Yeah, and yeah. just say, can you sort that out? Mm. Obviously, you don't want to micromanage anything. Just say, just do what you do. Yeah, yeah. And results. You know, I'm just over, bring just the results. Me, yeah, it doesn't just matter how me, you get there. Just do it. Tell yeah. me. Just tell me. Yeah, yeah. It's great like that. Now, you spoke about dealing with China and manufacturing things in China. Lots of people do with China, but obviously here we're about sharing a gift and giving knowledge. How has it been for you dealing with China and business getting things made? Some people complain about you know manufacturing qualities and various different things. How's your journey been? So we manufacture everything here at the moment, which is really good, and I think well, I want to continue to try and do that if we can, because it gives people jobs and all of that type of stuff, and we can control the quality here, and if we take it over there I am concerned that you know one will go to me and one will go to somebody else and you'll never know type thing so there's always you've always got to proceed with caution there but we get our bikes from there so the manufacturer of the the scooters that we use they're based out of China but they're a, an ASX listed Australian company who I helped um, build their company in Australia many years ago and they're called Vimoto Super Soco and they they build the I think the world's best delivery bike. It's, it's incredible. Are they like the electric scooters, mm. as in like a moped? Moped, yeah, moped, that's yeah. Electric. Yep. What's the CC on them? Um, it's the equivalent to a one two five. Okay. So yeah. It's something decent. Yeah. And what's the charge like? Good. So charging about three hours a battery, and so the battery, there's dual battery, so you can pull them out and switch them out as you need to, but you'll get about a hundred miles out of two batteries and that's gonna uh, that's gonna cover you for your shift yeah that's yeah, right because yeah you'd have the charging point at, at the, the base yeah, yeah basically and but you said there's a hundred pounds per, per per week for, oh. if you went if you went and rented one but if you rent them through us with a box on the back you get it you get it for free basically oh yeah because they're doing it you're gonna make money for your advertising yeah so you yeah, yeah, yeah i see you've got your plan and how's it taken off here? Well, we've got 10 bikes here at the moment and we've been selling campaigns where we ride around in unison with big loudspeakers off of MCs. We, we beatbox and talk to people and stuff. It's really cool. And that's kind of the media side of the business and we're starting to sell space on that. But it's really, it's not an advertising business until it is. You've got to have scale and that's why we're about to order 200 boxes. We've just raised just raised a million pound to uh, to buy a couple of hundred boxes and that's going to be you know that's going to really put us on the map put you know start generating some serious income but what we were doing there with the first 10 was just to test everything because you can go and make a bunch of boxes and be wrong and it was just those small iterations like you know water running onto your bum from the top of this from the top of the box and you know sloping the roof and putting in tail lights and just the locks and just fixing all that stuff up and making sure it's absolutely right so the boxes have been on the road for I don't know a couple of months now probably two two and a half months and we've done a lot of kilometers on them and tested them and dropped them and done extended life testing and all that sort of stuff 
and we're happy with the product now, so we're going into mass production, which is really okay. which is an exciting time because it's been a lot. Did you say you're in talks with Uber Eats? No, Deliveroo we're in talks with, and Getia, and a couple of others, Stuart. There's quite, well, everybody, the beautiful thing about this is timing's everything. I think it's about 70% in business. You can be well-funded, you can have a great team, great market fit, but if you don't have your timing right, you can be either too early or too late, and I believe that we're just we're right in that sweet spot right now where all these delivery companies are showing losses. Gorillas, you know, they're tearing. They were tearing up forty-five million pounds a month. Right, that was their burn rate. So for all what, these. What was that for? You know, the last mile other grocery delivery company. Yeah, gorillas. Yeah, yeah, I know gorillas, but why were they losing money? Because every time they sent out an order, they were losing money because they were just. You know, so you got a small basket size and normally it was like twenty dollars off your first offer off your first you know and then you got zap and then you've got you know all of these other companies get here all all these companies offering massive incentives for people to order groceries and most of it was just bonused up so they were really creating themselves a false economy where it looked like they had a lot of revenue but they're actually losing money so they're bringing money in but but not as much money as they were they were put, putting out as so far as office goes. They sounds like they need to do what the coffee industry did with the syndicate, where they agreed that we won't go lower than these prices. Yeah, right. Well, there you go. And I think if they if they banded together, I think, but it's such fierce competition at that. I mean, they're all billion dollar companies. These are unicorns that popped up out of nowhere, mm-hmm. but they're all running at losses. And we believe, like one of our boxes at full, which most people can't get their head around, right? So one one little box on the back of a scooter. Can make eighty thousand pounds a year in advertising revenue. Mm-hmm. So it literally can make a business that's, let's just say, it costs them hundred and fifty pounds a day mm-hmm. to have a rider on the road. So a bike, a rider, all these insurances, the electricity, the hub cost for the bike, everything, one hundred and fifty pounds a day. We can neutralise that cost, which is just unheard of, right? Yeah. So we share that profit with with the last mile delivery company, and so we can make them have a cost neutral delivery plan as well as having you know there's a couple of different models that we've got and but there's so much there's so much there to share around so we're not greedy we know that there's lots of money to be made so we try and share that amongst the logistics company the riders and and obviously the advertisers getting a great deal as well so because there's two things that come to mind with some brainstorming here is you know with uber you rent cars or you rent motorbikes Mm -hmm. So people could, and there's, I know there's 70,000 Uber drivers in London alone. So that's a, I don't know how many Uber Eats bicycle guys, but there's probably a... There's, well, there's 30,000 just in London and 150,000 two-wheel motorcycle couriers in the whole of the UK. That's why I started here, because oh, okay. it's, there's no better place in the world as far as I'm concerned to, to kick your business off if you're doing something, a business like this one. Yeah, and they're 24 hours. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, the what I was thinking, I was thinking, as a if you've got one of your boxes, like at gym time, gym adverts come up. Yeah. And in meal times or outside schools, a bit of aggressive advertising here. McDonald's <laughs> chicken chips advertising comes up, which I think parents would complain. Yeah, no, that that's that's something really really good, and thing. So you've you've got it all planned out. A lot of thought process gone into it, and we've got a lot of smart people, a lot, lot, lot smarter than myself, sitting at the table. So I think you, you know, you've got to be, you've got to make sure that the hires that you have in your business 
account and you've got to get the right people in, involved in your business and you know I've got some really really great people in our business okay. um, and that really helps you know helps the thought process and, mm. and and putting the models together and all that type of stuff great investors mm. you know and all that I think all of those things go to help so and it's a lot to do with strategy you what's know, your so. background mum's Malaysian dad's English no I don't mean in that oh. sense I mean in where you went to college university where did you start? I dropped out in end of year 11 and I went straight into the workforce basically I, uh, okay. I the first one of the first jobs out of school was I worked for a law firm um, called Marks Healy Sands and I was an outside clerk for there and I always had a job doing something that I liked to do that interests me but I didn't stay there very long like I'd look at the business model I'd learn it and then I'd move on and then I sort of always had my own businesses and I suppose one of the the better things that I did, I was the number one distributor for Nespresso coffee in the world um, for their commercial grade coffee machine. So I turned it into a vending machine and I learned the hard way that Nestle is not a very nice company. Um, <laughs> so, God, there's a story behind that, I want to hear it. And so I had a contract to buy $78 million worth of vending equipment from them. And I turned their, I spent a million dollars on their vending machine, which wasn't really a vending machine because you'd have to fill it full of milk every 36 cups. And so I developed it and made it into an absolutely amazing machine. And I had a bunch of distributors right throughout Australia signed up. We had a hundred being built, well actually we're finished and we're sitting in the warehouse ready for deployment. We had them in all, they were gonna go into all the hospitals and universities right throughout Australia. We just finished doing a bunch of testing at Brisbane Hospital. Uh, for about three months and the numbers were just huge but what i didn't realize is that nestle also owned nestle vending and so, <laughs> stole the idea. so so we were about to crush one side of their business and i just didn't see it coming so they let us go for two years and i had the company valued at 35 million from a little fifteen thousand dollar investment and i had to shut the business down because they came in wiped out all of their senior management they fired everybody still friends to mine this to this day actually some of those people that were in Nespresso they fired all those guys they brought in the biggest lawyers and they came in and went right we're shutting you down and I had to fight with my lawyers and I could have taken them to court and won millions like I, a lot of money I could have won but because I had a lot of distributors I just I didn't want to drag them through court for years you know what I mean I really thought of those guys and it was a big move for me to to say, you know what, I'll pick my battles. These guys have got deep pockets. I would have won, I had them over a barrel. I mean, I, they had signed contracts and, you know, two years worth of evidence, you know, they were moving ahead with this thing. And that's why I took all everybody's money and then I had to return all their money and I just said, I wanna make sure that I can close my doors gently and that all my distributors get paid out with interest and I'll walk away. And that's exactly what I did. So um, I shut the doors on the business and made sure everybody got paid out plus interest. And I went away and did another little startup and sold that for 15 million. And I got, I got robbed there. It was the weirdest scam I've ever been involved in. I, I did a, I made a Bitcoin ATM booth that you'd walk into and it would frost the door. And it was just a little startup that I did and sold the first one for a hundred thousand. So the door's clear. You walk in and the door goes frost. frost. Yeah, yeah. So you can't see that. You can't see the screen because if somebody can see your screen on a Bitcoin ATM machine. They can take all of your money. It's not like a normal ATM machine. If they get your QR code off the front of that machine, or if somebody can see it, they can take all of your Bitcoin. Uh -huh. So I came up with this this amazing booth. It was gold, and it was just it just looked amazing actually. And we did sold the first one, and then 
I had interest from a company in Hong Kong who were NASDAQ, they were listed on the NASDAQ. So I was like, okay, this is great. These guys want to buy us and they were going to give us $15 million worth of shares. And I was like, yes, I'm over the moon. They gave us the shares. We went to, they sent us to New York. I did a, a couple of a meet and greets there with some, some big companies. And then they sent us home and I tried to sell the shares and I couldn't sell them. They were listed on the lower level. It's called the QBC NASDAQ. So it's like a, a lower level. And no one picked this. Like I had business partners that were very wealthy and I just felt something was off the whole time. And so, yeah, I did a deal for $15 million. I couldn't sell the shares. So, so what happened to the shares eventually? I just threw them in the bin because <laughs> really? I couldn't sell them. They were useless. So, and I couldn't work out why they, they did it. They weren't worth anything. They weren't worth anything. So I thought they were going to pump and dump it, right? So, because you look at it, it, was the shares were at $10. And I was like, wow, so I can just, because if, it, if it's not listed on the NASDAQ and they're at $10, you think you can just cash out of them. But you, I couldn't. But surely, what did they get out of it? Um? That's exactly what I was trying to work out the whole time. Because you would think normally what they do in these, these types of scenarios is they would pump the stock, buy something like us, pump the stock up and then dump it but then sell out a big chunk at the top. Like GameStop kind of thing. Kind of thing, right? But they didn't even do that. And that's what, I was scratching my head the whole time going, who, who won out of this scam? Like you've sent me, you've flown me to Hong Kong, you've paid for me to go to New York, you gave me a tiny little bit of money, it wasn't, wasn't much. And now you've just, I just couldn't work it out. It was the weirdest thing I've ever been involved in actually, to be honest. Mm. It was super weird, but you know, and you learn all these things. You know, a lot of my friends go, oh, you know, this didn't happen, that didn't happen for you. I just look at them all as lessons. Like, I, I like them. I think, you know, they're just interesting things. And if, as long as I'm swinging, I'm having a good day. Like, that's just how I operate. As long as I'm, I'm out there giving it a red-hot go, yeah, then you... I'm, a, I'm a happy camper. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you're, you know, you're very active. You're, you know, you're always making moves, doing stuff, which is great. Which is really, really great. <laughs> so with those where you didn't take Nestle to call, all those contractors, mm. did you end up doing business with them in another form later on? No, no, because I just, I got away from the whole coffee industry and was just kind of, it really hurt because I had my whole family involved, right? So my mum was the CEO, like my, you know, I had my brother and my stepdad in there doing stuff. All my friends were working with us and we just, we built up a huge business and it was just, and it was humming. And then I had to sort of let everybody go and it really just put a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. But one thing I learned from that was don't build somebody else's brand, you know, and, which is why I built the Bitcoin brand because I was like, no one owns Bitcoin. <laughs> so you built the Bitcoin brand? Yeah, so well, 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 with the Bitcoin, it was called um, Crypto Kiosk. But that was... Oh, the Crypto Kiosk. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. using, okay. a, using a, you know, I suppose crypto or, or Bitcoin. No yeah. one owns Bitcoin, so have I was you, happy to promote it. Have you delved into crypto yourself? Yeah, I've got I've got some Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had I had a bit more. I had to sell some of it along the way to to keep myself going in this business. But yeah, I, I really like it. I think it's the future. You know, for all the reasons. I actually really like blockchain. I think that's you know it's, that's where the benefit I think massively of cryptocurrency is. But it's the underlying technology behind all the cryptocurrencies and blockchain. I think is a super valuable thing which hasn't really been, like people talked about it and stuff, but I'm implementing it in my own business. And that is, you can do these smart contracts with them. So it says, if this, then that. So for example, instead of making a claim for insurance, right? So let's just say your house 
is insured and it says on the on this smart contract and it's just code and it says if 150 kilometer an hour winds pass your house and the roof lifts off it or whatever it automatically pays you out so you don't have to put a claim in right so it does away with lawyers it does away with accountants it does away with a whole bunch of things all the middlemen who all the middlemen that drain the money out of everybody if this then that and i love that about that technology that's what really I think, and a lot of people have missed that trick, and I think more and more people need to need to get involved and do that. But because you've got, because it's getting rid of lawyers and accountants and all these people that have got important jobs, and they're the ones that should really be exercising, but they know that it's the death of them, right? So <laughs> it's kind of it's sitting there, but no one's really exercising it the, the way they should. I think, yeah. You know? But I'm going to implement it in my business. Okay, that's good. <laughs> so about this hangover. The hangover cure? Yeah, the hangover cure. Yeah. Tell us about that. So that's called Fresh Start Detox and Hangover Relief. So what it what that does is um, it goes, it's got a product called Bentonite Clay in it. And Bentonite Clay, you won't hear much about it. Like not many, not many naturopaths know about it. Like a lot of the people, they try and suppress it because it's such an amazing product. Where's Bentonite Clay come from? couple of wells around the world like we get ours from Mount Montblier in France and that's probably one of the best wells in the world form it's 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 called multi it's like a multi-mineralite clay but it's from the core of the earth and it's charged so it's like volcanic ash and so it's got a positive charge to it and most ions and stuff that are in your body have a negative ionic charge so when it goes into your body it adsorbs and absorbs so it gets bigger it you can one one gram of this will cover the surface area of say a football field mm -hmm. so it goes into your body and it's inert right so it's dirt so it can't actually stay in your body so you have i had four pills last night mm -hmm. and I, I got home i was very drunk i've been drinking all afternoon <laughs> and i wake up this morning at six o'clock and i was fine you know what i mean i was a bit tired but i wasn't hung over at all it just goes into the body and it absorbs any sort of toxicity that's running around in there. People, the guy that I knew that discovered it for hangovers was based out of WA and his wife had chemo, was having chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. And he had a well of it in, um, in Australia, in Geraldton, and he started drying some out and he gave it to her to help her with the chemo. Because, uh, and, and then I found out later on that they used it in Chernobyl and they put it in chocolate to help people get rid of the radiation from their bones. Right, that's how strong this stuff is. So, I wonder what it does for cancer then? I think it's, you know, I, I think there's a number of things that I think you can do for cancer and, you know, CBD oil, you know, all that sort of stuff, or CBG oil actually, which is the full 160 spectrum, is, you know, I think a really good battler for cancer. But I think bentonite clay together with CBG oil and a couple of other bits and pieces that you can take. If you do, I take them daily, right? So I take CBD oil every day. I use I use bentonite clay as often as I can. I put my kids in the bath with it as well because kids, kids are always on technology and there's a lot of radiation and all that type of stuff. So my kids bathe in it as well. Yeah, it's just a, it's a, just such a great product. Okay. So you use it solely for hangovers, but surely from all the other methods, things that it can be used for. How come you haven't started it like a company based on those other circumstances? So I did, so we, we had 
so I was selling it in online and we had it in a couple of, we had it in pharmacies, I had it on TV, we had ads on TV and stuff, but it's really expensive to do that. So I probably tipped in maybe half a million dollars of my own money into it. And, you know, friends and families, money and all that sort of stuff. And we were turning a profit, but it just became very expensive to keep it on the shelves mm -hmm. and to keep the advertising going and all that type of stuff. And you really need a big budget to do it. And so in the end, I just, you know, I, I basically got a whole lot of bottles and I don't really, we've got a regular customers that order every month and stuff, but I don't really push it because it take, it's, it's going to take so much of my energy and what I've great at doing is if you ask my wife, I've, I've got about a million balls in the air at any given time. And for this particular project, this, you know, this Admodo project, I decided that I was going to just drop everything that I had mm -hmm. and focus solely on making this a huge success because I think that's you need singular focus and you know I've got a, I've, I had a fashion label as well we laser etch graffiti onto belts I've got a, another unreal product that I think the world needs which is a product called Praise and Raise and it's for kids so I developed this for my own kids and it's about helping them and inspiring them so whenever so they get five gold coins and whenever they get the five gold coins, they win a prize and they have to ring the bell in the house. And no matter where you are, you have to chat, clear, clap and cheer for them, right? So the bell rings, everybody's, yay! And I've got my kids dialed. So if one of them are crying, I've got two. Okay. Two beautiful little girls. And they're a bit older now, so the game isn't really, isn't doesn't work as well. But back when they were sort of, you know, three to seven or eight, it, it worked so well. I put it in this school, actually. And the teacher said, oh, we'll just put a couple in here and then a week later they said we want all the kids want one so I put it right through their whole kindergarten and uh -huh. they still use it to this day and it's amazing and it's so simple it's such a simple game that no one's done properly and it helps people with their kids it's like because you want to motivate them you want to find a way to reward them for being good not just always you know can't do this you can't do that but whenever you do something good you should get rewarded yeah, I hear I hear Raising money. You seem like you're an expert when it comes to raising money. Do you want to give us some quick tips on that before we finish up? Okay. I think I think raising money is easy if you've got the right product. That's what I believe. If you really believe in your product and people can see that, that it's got legs and that you can execute, I think the money part of it's easy. Like, I think I raised almost half a million dollars last week. I wasn't even trying. Like, I literally, I mentioned it to a few people, but because they can see what's how good the business is I think that's the magic source that's what I would say I know mm -hmm. I've never really tried to sell anything to anybody I like people to ask me how can I get involved when can I give you that money or I don't like closing people I'm it's not really my style mm -hmm. I think if you do the right work that like when the student is ready the teacher will appear like I really you know when the student to, is ready the teacher will appear yeah I like that oh, <laughs> I like that that's really good <laughs> But in closing, you've been a great guest. We appreciate everything. Remind people, where can they find you? If oh, you can your... find me at admoto.com. So it's ad-moto.com. Or you can hit me up on LinkedIn. It's just Paul Vickery. Paul V-I-C-K-E-R-Y. Paul Vickery. Okay. Thanks a lot for that. Now, we appreciate you shared your gift. You shared us a lot of knowledge and hopefully the listeners will appreciate that and learn from your experience. If the world was standing in front of you, mm. 7.5 billion people, yep. no, no pressure, mm -hmm. and you had to give them some advice 
based one sentence of advice based mm. on your life experience so far what would that be be kind to one another mm. that says a lot about your character because <laughs> you could have gone down the road of business that you just wouldn't when about being nice and therefore I can see why people are happy to invest in what you do awesome if I had some money I would but I don't <laughs> <laughs> anyway thanks a lot for that and we wish you well my friend thanks mate appreciate you we hope that episode enhanced your life we post an interview every day as well as vlogging on our social media channel don't forget to subscribe to get our latest episode